0: Welcome in to the Design Thirty podcast. My name is Jason Billiou, and in this podcast, I provide strategies and tools to improve innovation, creativity, and overall design confidence. Today, we are continuing the "Design More, Despair Less" uh, little mini series I've been working on. In the title of today's episode, which is part three is the role of design so in the previous episodes i've talked about the problem that i've been seeing with uh these huge issues being blown up and sensationalized so much that it can be uh, very depressing it caused people to despair and then i also talked about the solution which is looking at these problems in a a different way, kind of reframing them to an opportunity and especially reframing them as an opportunity for the younger generation that there's awesome, not awesome, but big problems that need to be solved and there's a lot of adventure there, there's a lot of opportunity there. And so today I will be talking about the role of design in all of this, again, a little bit high level uh, these three episodes have all been a little bit more high level compared to what I've done in the past. So I will p- most likely be diving into some more specific tools and strategies uh, starting again next week. Um, but for today, we'll be talking about how design can help solve these large problems at a little bit more of a, you know, a 30,000 foot view. So what is the role of design in solving these large, catastrophic, difficult problems? And what is the role of design in developing actual useful solutions? So my first point on this is that design requires careful observation. So it's very important that you aren't jumping to conclusions right from the start Uh, We often have ideas on how to solve something, you know, as soon as we hear about the problem, we have all of our preconceived ideas of what you should do. And it's really tempting just to run with that. It feels more efficient. It feels like you're getting something done faster, but it's uh, not advisable. You need to slow down. You need to observe and study what is actually going on. You need to be able to, be able to determine the actual root cause of this problem that you're observing. So you need to, you need to be careful not to just accept uh, these common theories that you're often hearing. You don't want to ex- accept those just at face value. Uh, you need to be a skeptic in a lot of ways. Uh, it's kind of the same way that you don't accept uh, a piece of user feedback just right at face value. Uh, something we've talked about before, and I'm sure you have hear a lot with the whole design thinking uh, sort of trend. But usually, or often, your users are going to tell you something that's not uh, necessarily true. Uh, people don't want to sound stupid. They don't always realize what they're actually struggling with, especially when they're using a new product. So they might tell you something completely different than when you go back and watch the tape, or if you're filming them interact with your product, you might see something completely different. So kind of keeping that same idea uh, when you're dealing with these you know big problems in the world, there's gonna be a lot of theories out there of how other people think you should solve it. But hold off on that at the beginning. Uh, you wanna slow down. Really dive deep into what the problem is. Make sure you're asking clarifying questions, uh, verifying data, verifying observations that other people have made. Uh, and of course you want to have tons of follow up questions, start doing some tests and overall just making very careful observations. You want to look at the world with a skeptical and critical eye so that you can see below this uh, kind of surface level rhetoric that invades so much of life, media, social media. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Um, So one way I look at this is using a double diamond uh, sort of diagram, which... um, I'm sure many, many of you have seen, if you've read the design of everyday things, he talks about it a lot in there, but essentially you start off, uh, well, if you don't know, it's two diamonds just right next to each other. So it kind of gives this idea of you tend to start at a point and then you expand and then you kind of come back down and you trim down to another point and then you expand again, and then you come down to some final solution or idea, something like that. So in this case, You start off with a problem, and that's kind of your starting point. And then you want to look into, as you expand, the set of all possible causes of this problem. So, what are some examples of that? Well, let's go through some of what we uh, talked about last week. uh, Some of these classic big problems. And the first one, of course, being climate change, uh, which we've all heard way too much about recently, but uh, I think it it is interesting as you start to dive into uh, some of the implications of it, some of the actual problems that are going on, uh, and there's just a few different lenses you can actually view it through. So if you're looking at potential causes, and again, we need to think very broad. So we all have, you know, what we've been told, maybe what we've studied uh, about what's causing this. But if you're looking to solve this problem and all the potential negatives of climate change, uh, well, first of all, you're probably not going to solve it all with one solution. So a good thing to keep in mind is that maybe there's just a certain aspect of it that can make a significant impact and you can solve that rather than trying to come up with one solution to solve every single problem or every single side effect of, of temperatures changing. Um, so, of course, there's the classic you know, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, uh, too much CO2 and methane, and this comes from everything from coal plants, power plants running off natural gas, you know, I always hear about cow farts causing methane, uh, all these gas-powered vehicles driving around, and then airplanes, of course, is another one that you'll, you'll hear a lot about. And then you'll also hear about maybe there's natural causes for this, and so that's worth looking into as well because if there are some natural aspects of it, uh, that's going to be a very different uh, solution to solving than if it's man-made or coming from these other sources that I mentioned. Um, But it it gets really complicated the more you, you dive into it. For example, natural gas is actually one of the reasons why the U.S. has been able to reduce emissions pretty significantly over the past few years. So does that mean you should transition all of your energy needs towards natural gas? Um, it also comes from fracking in a lot of cases, which has some other side effects. Um, but it looks like it produces much less pollution than coal plants. So there's a little bit of a give and take there, and it's not an easy question or an easy problem to solve. And of of course, there's also the economy look on all this. And you need cars, you need trucks, you need planes and boats, and they all run off uh, some sort of fuel. Uh, It's typically fossil fuel. And so when prices go up on this, if you're trying to institute something like a carbon tax, for example, most of the impact financially is often felt by lower-income people to middle-income people. And if these, if they, you know, they're the people who perhaps can't afford to fill their car up and get to work or they can't heat their homes. And so there's some really dangerous side effects to that as well. Uh, And another complicating factor that I've been hearing uh, more and more recently, which is really quite fascinating and makes these problems even more difficult to solve, it's that as temperatures go up, especially in a country like the united states of course there's more heat related deaths because there's more heat higher temperatures but there's also less cold related deaths and cold is actually a very dangerous thing (laughs) so there's a lot more cold related deaths than there are heat related deaths at least at this point in the united states so as these temperatures start to rise gradually the net difference is actually saving more lives in the united states than killing more lives which you know puts you in a little bit of a catch-22 like okay well we don't want the temperatures to rise so we need to combat that but then there's also some benefits to it rising at least in certain climates and then if we raise the cost of energy something through a carbon tax something like that then you're actually making it more expensive for people to either heat their house when it's cold which is you know, very necessary. It also becomes more difficult to cool your house when it's hot, as energy, it's so expensive. And we all know an air conditioner jacks up your, your uh, heat bill significantly, or not your heat bill, but your electricity bill. So you have to be very cautious with what lever you decide to pull. And what lever you decide to pull to address this depends very much on what the actual problem is. What's the actual cause and what can you do that's going to make a significant impact and you know save more lives in the long run and produce less pollution and help stabilize things as much as possible. So climate change is one of those that the further you dive in, the more you look at all of the little impacts of it and causes, it gets really complicated. But also it gets pretty exciting. And I think there's a lot of fun and innovative solutions nested within that one problem. Well it's because it's not really one problem. It's a <laughs> it's an amalgamation of a ton of different problems in reality. But one of the other ones we talked about in a previous episode Uh, was the lack of trust in our voting systems in the United States. And as we're all aware, there's a lot of potential causes for this. Uh, You hear a lot about foreign interference, uh, bad media coverage, uh, people who are in positions of authority saying things like the election was stolen. Uh, It takes a long time to count votes, which makes people very unsettled and nervous because the longer it takes, the more it feels like You know, some sort of funny business could be taking place in the background. You hear a lot about ballot harvesting, especially now with more mail-in ballots. So there's a lot of uneasiness around that. And then some of it's as simple as people don't necessarily trust computers. And you hear reports of votes being flipped by the computer and things like that. So it's, again, it's very complicated. How do you come up with something that solves all of these problems, or maybe you just need to solve one of them. And that, you know, at least reduces the lack of trust significantly. So one way to approach this is actually, you need to go out and interview the voters. You need to understand the people you're trying to solve the problem for. And, you know, you might be one of them, but there's such a wide variety of people and opinions um, all across the country that you need to go out and actually understand people and what their rationale is and do it with a statistical slash data-driven mindset. And you need to read articles and posts, especially the ones that are going viral on social media. Because that gives you a little bit of insight into what is actually driving people's fear. And what's driving their lack of trust in the system. And then finally, you can observe people at the polls. And that's a good place to just get some Boots on the ground, hands-on experience, interviewing people there, um, and get just some really useful insight. You know, Whenever you're designing a product, you always need to see people and observe people interacting with it. Part of that is interviewing them and seeing what they say, and then part of that is simply observing and just watching how they act. And finally, the other problem we've been discussing is the prison system and all sorts of issues with that right now one of which is uh, being overcrowded. And again, there's a lot of potential causes of this problem. Uh, There's a recidivism rate, which is how often people who go to prison get out and then end up going back. And that's really high. So that means people often are just getting worse in prison. They're not getting rehabilitated. Um, Other possible causes are maybe economics. This could be driving up crime rates. Um, people coming from broken homes and children not being raised well in a loving home. It could be greed in the prison system itself, you know, especially some of these private systems. You hear a lot of stories that uh, might make you a little bit nervous. And then you hear a lot about profiling or racism, things like that inside the justice system. And so that's something that you also need to look into and observe and look at statistics and data and figure out which one of these problems again you're not gonna be able to solve all of them with one solution but perhaps there's one or two that you could solve with uh, an innovative policy maybe a new type of prison that you know we talked about in the last uh, episode uh, there's ways to well okay i'm gonna hold off on that. i'm getting my ahead of myself a little bit and that will be on uh, point number two, we'll dive into those solutions a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to prisons, uh, interviewing people who got out and haven't uh, committed another crime afterwards would be a good way to understand what their mindset was and what their thought process was. Um, understanding, doing some research on the prison systems themselves. What's the incentive structure? Is it purely monetar- monetary or is there something else going on? understanding the justice system better uh, looking at data and statistics on those uh, who are convicted and what types of sentences they've got Uh, of course looking at background statistics on inmates and just really trying to see what sort of trends you can tease out of all of this data and this leads into my overall point number two which is that design requires prototyping and testing. So going back to that double diamond uh, I was describing earlier, so you come up with this huge set of all the possible causes, and then as you go through that, you start narrowing narrowing and narrowing down to some causes that you could actually uh, address, some causes that could potentially be changed or fixed to reduce this problem. And then you start working on your solution set so once you have a likely cause of the problem you can start coming up with all these different ideas and you do want to be basically as broad as possible at the start and just widen out the solution set but then you're stuck with a bunch of solutions and how do you narrow that down and that's where uh, prototyping and testing really comes in handy and that's how you start narrowing down your solution set to your you know, final solution that then you can focus on designing it, implementing it, things like that. So when you're looking at this large solution set, you need to, as you start to narrow, you're looking at prototyping, testing, adjusting based on that testing, testing again, then probably moving to a new prototype, test that, adjust it, test again. And it's really this long iterative process where you're, You know, you're striking off solutions and you're narrowing and narrowing down to something that is the most useful, most likely to work, maybe has the largest impact. Uh, There's a lot of different ways to narrow that down. And of course, you want to record and analyze all of your results throughout this process. So what are some ways that you can do this looking at these three problems we addressed? So... With climate change, you could do something uh, perhaps as simple as prototyping a carpooling app and testing that out with a small beta market of people and see how that works. That's a way to address one potential issue, which is uh, too many cars on the road. You could also look at new and efficient HVAC systems for houses and once you figure out the efficiency that you uh, are getting out of these new systems you can use that to calculate well if we were able to provide this to x amount of people how much of an impact would that have overall you can test new insulation and kind of perform that same calculation where you can estimate how many people that you could get this new insulation to and then what's going to be the impact of that more efficient homes Uh, you can also try out policies in smaller, more constrained uh, ways, such as doing it on a county level or perhaps something as big as a state level, but trying to keep it small and prototype on that, you know, a more, uh, (laughs) I don't know, unified, more similar, and basically just smaller sort of level, more discrete level. Uh, And then with the voting system, you could set up maybe not a real election but a practice or some sort of pseudo election where you could test out new processes that involve something maybe it's finger scans or maybe it's eye scans and maybe that's something that gives people more trust like a you know that's something that is obviously very unique from person to person so it can create trust but it also could be too invasive and maybe it drives a lot of people away from voting because they don't want the government to have this information on them or something along those lines uh, you could also try rank choice voting this is what is going on in alaska right now they decided to change up their voting system a little bit and so that's a, a pretty cool uh, example of prototyping on a state level and then for the prison system you could now uh, this is probably something more difficult but And again, I don't know, I'm definitely no expert on the prison system. So if this is already going on, uh, maybe you have to think of some other potential ideas to try out. But you could look at providing more meaningful and useful jobs to inmates so that they're building some useful skills and gaining some meaning out of the work they're doing. And potentially let them save some of the money they earn as well so that when they get out of prison, they have some money that they Uh, perhaps would be less likely to commit another felony or another uh, crime and end up back in the same system Uh, so a side note on all of this one of the awesome things about how the united states is set up at least is that we are a bunch of states and states are made up of a bunch of counties so These let you actually prototype things on a smaller scale. So it allows you to prototype policy on more of a local level, which is pretty cool. And it's something I know, like I mentioned, Alaska is taking advantage of with their ranked choice voting. But it's something I think more states and counties should take advantage of. It allows you to try out a new policy. And the rest of the country really can kind of watch and observe and see how it goes. If it goes really well, it'll likely be adopted by more and more states. And if it goes really poorly, it's a lot easier for a state just to, or a county for that matter, to decide, nope, that didn't work. Let's stop it move on to something else. So I think this is something as a country we need to get a little bit more creative with and trying out some new ideas at a, a local level. And the good ideas will hopefully filter up and find their way to the state level and eventually to the country level. Ooh. Okay. With all of that said, we are coming to the end of this episode and to the end of this little mini series on designing more and despairing less. Uh, and <clears throat> in this episode, I talked about how, there's these different actual design approaches or these design philosophies that you need to apply or that I think need to be applied to these larger catastrophic, potentially difficult problems. And that is you need to observe very, very carefully. And then number two, you need to prototype and test. You don't go all in right away on one solution that could very likely just make things a whole lot worse. So you want to prototype, test, Analyze your data, analyze your results, and work through that iterative problem until you find a solution that uh, is the best possible solution that you can come up with at that time. And with that, I would would, uh, like to bring this episode to an end. A quick shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, that is Viper Outdoor Tools. You can find them at viperoutdoortools.com. Also want to say uh, you should subscribe to the Design 30 YouTube channel. Uh, follow me on Instagram at LearnDesign30. And as always, uh, subscribe to the Design 30 Substack. You can do that for free and get those just directly in your inbox. And with that, I will end this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode coming out next week.